Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. You know, we teach them about processed foods and um, I tell people to try to eat foods with one ingredient uh, and that to not really worry about fat as long as it's, you know, natural, real fat, not fried foods and stuff like that. But, um, and, and talk to them about increasing their, their protein intake and um, limiting carbohydrates, especially we, we check a, a insulin levels a lot, which is a good indicator of metabolic health and can be a, a warning sign far before you see an elevation in, in blood glucose or an A1C, which is a three month average of blood sugar. And, and so we look at that. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed the owner of Vibrant Life Direct Care and podcast host, Dr. Greg Dennis. We discussed what's wrong with our current sick care system, the importance of spending time with patients, testosterone replacement therapy, and what are the best markers to get tested when starting with a patient. We also discussed how hopefully more physicians will start embracing the importance of nutrition and finding the root cause of disease as opposed to just treating the symptoms. This was a great interview with Dr. Greg Dennis, a lot of great info that you could take to your primary care physician. And I know you'll enjoy this one. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have Dr. Greg Dennis of uh, Vibrant Life Direct Care. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I was on your podcast, or we recorded on your podcast uh, a few weeks ago and decided it'd be fun to bring you on uh, on my podcast, uh, a practicing physician out of Oklahoma. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, yeah. You uh, practice with your wife. How, how many years have you been working uh, together for? Well, we both graduated, graduated residency in 2007. Uh, we were both in corporate medicine, although she was part-time, I was full-time. And uh, so we were at the same place, um, but it was just, just been in the last um, couple of years that we have our own clinic and uh, now run that together. So Nice. And... Uh... Part of the reason I wanted to interview you was because I would say you're, you're a little bit out of the box in the sense that you're not like a general, uh, I guess the norm, uh, physician that you would see, uh, you focus on anti-aging, you focus on more like functional medicine and getting out of this sort of sick care model where we just give prescription drugs per people for certain things, perhaps tell the audience how you sort of got into that. And was that right away? Or is that something that you decided to do as you started practicing? No, it came later. I've always been into wellness myself, but never really practiced that way as a physician because that's just not how we're taught. I mean, you go to medical school, you go to residency, and you're you're taught a certain way to think, certain way to practice. And I never really questioned that. You know, I always looked up to our faculty members and, and the professors, you know, that you think, gosh, they're the smartest people on the planet. And so you never question them. And so I practiced what I would call, quote, conventional medicine for many, many years. And I did, you know, what people call evidence-based medicine. Uh, And like most doctors, when patients would would question me, I would say, well, 
I practice, quote, evidence-based medicine. So you can't question evidence-based medicine, even though they're not getting better, you know, and, and, and now I know, you know, they should question their doctors. But, but at the time, again, I was thinking like most doctors and say, well, would say I, I practice, you know, evidence-based medicine. And so uh, it really wasn't until several years ago, I don't know, three or four years ago, and I just kind of had this epiphany and I, I don't really know how or why, but I just got to thinking one day, you know what? My patients aren't really getting any better. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but they're not getting better. They, they look better on paper. So if they have, for instance, if they have high cholesterol, I give them a cholesterol medicine, their cholesterol goes down. If they're a diabetic, I, I'm giving them all these diabetes medications that's recommended by the, the ADA. So their, their A1C, their blood sugar is better. Um, you know, so on paper, they're better. And so I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but they're still sick. They're still fat. There's, they have arthritis. They have autoimmune disease. They're still dying of heart disease, strokes. Um, their, their health span isn't improving nor is their lifespan. Uh, and so I just thought, Linda, what am, what am I doing here? Like, what are we doing? There's, there's got to be a better way. And so I just kind of went on this deep dive, this, you know, kind of my own journey of, of, of looking at things like how, you know, how can we get people better? And it certainly wasn't an overnight journey. I mean, I, I learned it. I'm still learning. Um, but what I discovered is there are many things that they, they teach us in medical school and residency that um, are influenced by big pharma. And we can talk about this a little bit more later if you want, but mm -hmm. um, a, a big pharma's influence in all these governing organizations that kind of govern what we do, the American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, the FDA. And, and it really comes down to, it's all about money. It's not really making people better. And so anyways, I, I discovered the power of nutrition and I had to really just learn on my own about nutrition. Uh, because they don't really teach us that in medical school. And so what I discovered was you can reverse many diseases with just nutrition alone and, and lifestyle changes through fasting and, and exercise. Um, and that all these medications that we're giving many times, you know, we're making the matter worse. And, and so through that journey over the last several years, um, I have become certified in anti-aging medicine or, or the certification is called age management medicine. And so I, I just continue to, uh, to learn in that and um, really try to um, go deeper into people's problems and uh, discover the root cause rather than just kind of throwing medications out. And since you decided to make that change, what, what else changed in your practice? Like, did you dedicate more time with your patients and did you start seeing like more impactful results uh, because of that? Yeah. So without a doubt, when I kind of discovered all this, when I went on this journey, I was still in corporate medicine at the time. So in corporate medicine, you know, I'm seeing 20 to 25 patients a day. By the time they get to me, you know, I have five minutes to spend with them. And as I was discovering how I could heal people many times with nutrition I mean, that takes more than five minutes to, sure. to teach them that. Um, and so 
I eventually got to the point where I was no longer a fit in corporate medicine. And so my wife um, already opened uh, called direct care. And basically what direct primary care is, it's a model of care where we don't take insurance and uh, people pay a monthly membership fee, almost like a gym membership. And with that, they get um, just access to us all the time. We have a lot smaller of a practice. And so what we tell people is, is you know, we have a, a small practice that we can take really good care of those people rather than a huge practice that, you know, is hard to get in and, and you spend five minutes with them. And so um, anyway, so I made that transition over to this style of practice. And so now I have the time to spend with people and um, can really again, get into that root cause and, and walk them through this journey. Uh, and, and really, you know, uh, I've, yeah, I've seen a ton of, of results since I've been doing that and it just keeps fueling me to what I do and that I'm, that I have done the right thing by reversing diabetes, uh, type two, that is that type one's a different animal, but you know, they never told me that, that you can actually reverse type two diabetes. Right. And, and so just doing that many times, um, improving and sometimes even completely reversing autoimmune disease and seeing people, uh, you know, lose a lot of weight and get off medications. I mean, it's, it's been very re rewarding. Yeah. And, um, so that now you went to more of a monthly subscription model where they, mm -hmm. you got cut out for a second. So I just want to recap. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, where they pay, uh, on a monthly, it's not covered by insurance. Correct. Correct. Were, I, will there be a time where, insurance would maybe cover this or no? Um, not, not our, our style of practice. And um, I, I don't know that we would want them to um, because many doctors and there's, there's more and more uh, getting into this style of practice. They're wanting to get out uh, from the insurance companies because many times the insurance companies you know dictate what we can do. Right. And so they're wanting to get out from the insurance company. So I, I don't think in this style of practice that, that we would really want insurance to have any part in it. Uh, what we tell people kind of what the ideal scenario is, in my opinion, is, is people have a, um, a high deductible type plan. I mean, we don't want them to be without insurance. And so they have some type of catastrophic plan, uh, you know, if they have to be in the ICU or something like that, and then uh, they pay us this nominal monthly fee and we can take care of most everything. And in a preventative practice like what we have, then hopefully we're getting them well to where they won't need the doctor and they're going to stay well. And of course, never, ever use that catastrophic plan, but that's, that's kind of the ideal scenario. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I would hope that more, this is sort of the future, right? That hopefully this is where we're going. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that'll change as, as long as big farmers in, in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's slow. Um, they're, yeah again, are more and more people kind of discovering, uh, you know, I guess the inadequacies of healthcare and, and some doctors, but it's, it's slow. Yeah. And what are your, so what are some of the, the go-tos that you've been realizing that are working best for patients? Um, let's just say, I know, you know, I know that you're, you know, low carb role or mm -hmm. like what, what type of interventions are you using that you know, are sort of making the biggest impact with your patients? Yeah. So we do a lot of education about nutrition. Um, and we just, we try to get people to understand that the, you know, traditional 
food guide pyramid and, and this idea that, you know, you need to eat low fat, high carb is not good. And that's really um, what's gotten us into this mess to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I remind patients all the time that uh, if all this would have worked, you know, what they've been promoting all these years, we should have seen a decrease in, uh, you know, healthcare conditions, but instead we're seeing more cardiovascular disease than ever, more autoimmune disease than ever, more cancer than ever, uh, more obesity than ever. I mean, you're, you're in the Midwest as I am. And I mean, the, the obesity, I mean, more, more people are obese than not, or at least, at least around here in my state. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I tell patients if, if you want to just keep doing that and, and, keep being on medications, which people think are the norm, you know, then just keep following those recommendations. But if you want to be different than everybody, which unfortunately different is being healthy, then, you know, we teach them about processed foods. And um, I tell people to try to eat foods with one ingredient uh, and that to not really worry about fat, as long as it's, you know, natural, real fat, not fried foods and stuff like that. But um, and, and talk to them about increasing their, their protein intake and, um, limiting carbohydrates, especially we, we check, uh, insulin levels a lot, which is a good indicator of metabolic health and can be a, a warning sign far before you see an elevation in, in blood glucose or an A1C, which is a three month average of blood sugar. And, and so we look at that and, and I talk to them about foods that can raise insulin levels, um, you know, which is mostly the, the sugars and the processed sugars and even uh, fructose in, in many cases. And uh, so we just kind of walk them through that. And then uh, I introduce um, intermittent fasting to them and that, you know, maybe going times without eating uh, is, is a good thing and, and how to do that. And uh, we, we talk about exercise and the importance of that. And we talk about, um, you know, hormone optimization, uh, which, which I know you're probably going to ask about. So, so yeah, those are all the things that, that we kind of focus on. Yeah. What would you say? I know you said a few of them right there, fasting insulin. <clears throat> um, you mentioned hormones. What type of markers do you, maybe if you have a new patient right off the bat, do you recommend mm-hmm. getting tested? Yep. So kind of standard stuff that I use is, or that I check is a lipid panel. Although um, I don't look at that the way that most doctors look at that. Most doctors look at a lipid panel and they look at the overall cholesterol and, and the LDL, which is the so-called bad cholesterol. Um, what I look at in a lipid panel is more of the triglycerides and the HDL, uh, specifically that ratio. And uh, what that tells me, along with the fasting insulin level, is that's a marker for metabolic health. Um, so most of the time, what I'm seeing in new patients is they have really high triglycerides, they have a low HDL, and then they have high insulin levels. And all that points to, again, poor metabolic health, which is really, um, it, it sets them up uh, for, you know, all kinds of, of chronic illnesses. And so again, we talk about how to, how to reverse that. And if they are metabolically healthy, and I have this conversation a lot, then really the cholesterol doesn't mean anything, even the LDL, again, the full bad cholesterol, if they're metabolically healthy. And so that's 
been a big misconception among people and, and even doctors, um, I, I think, have been um, kind of deceived, uh, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to cholesterol. But anyway, so, so I checked that. We checked blood sugar. I mentioned fasting insulin. Um, I check hormone levels. Uh, I check thyroid levels, especially in women. It's, it's more rare in men, but uh, middle-aged women and, and above, I check thyroid. And then I check a vitamin D level on everyone. Um, to me, it's one of the most uh, just um, under, uh, uh, you know, checked things that there is. Um, is that a word, underchecked? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it is right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And under, uh, maybe like it, underutilized, right? Underutilized. Thank yeah. you. Yes. I, I couldn't get the word out. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's role in just general overall health in the immune system, especially as it relates to COVID uh, vitamin D is huge. And almost everybody I see, unless they're already taking um, supplementation uh, is vitamin D deficient. And, and even most of those people who are taking supplementation, they're not taking enough. And, the, and most doctors who even there, it's rare that, that they check that, but the ones that are, and then recommending supplementation, they're way underdosing in my opinion. And so, um, and then I check hormone levels, um, testosterone in men, uh, well, and testosterone in women as well. And then mm-hmm. all the, the, the female hormones, you know, estrogen and, and other things. So, so that's kind of the, the standard uh, stuff that I check. And, and of course that can change depending on, what kind of medical problems they have, if they have a history of autoimmune disease and that kind of stuff, then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll add some other stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I don't, I noticed, um, as well, you mentioned autoimmune disease. Um, I feel like that's thrown around so much. I mean, there's what, like probably 80 types of autoimmune disease that are out there, some more common than others. Um, is there a certain protocol that you do as far as like diet that, um, you've seen reversal in some autoimmune disease? We don't have one protocol. Uh, I, I think it, it starts, as I was alluding to a minute ago, it starts with educating the patient that um, first they have to buy into the fact that they might get uh, a symptom, at least symptom resolution, but a reversal, possible reversal of disease with their diet. And sometimes that's just a hard concept mm-hmm. uh, because they many times they've seen and a rheumatologist and they're, they're on these, um, medications that are suppressing their immune system. And the rheumatologist has never mentioned anything about nutrition. And so many times that's just a foreign thought to them. And so just, um, just getting them to understand that number one, and then number two, you know, we just try to, to cut out the inflammatory things, so the, the sugars, the processed foods, the, the vegetable oils. Um, and, and so that's a good starting point and go from there. Again, we talk about some, some intermittent fasting to help with decrease inflammation. Hmm. Um, and, and then it depends on the person. You know, some people can just do those things and get a lot of symptom relief. And then some people uh, have to, uh, you know, really just be a lot more restrictive in, in what they eat. I mean, I have some people who, who do a, a carnivore, strictly carnivore diet. Um, and it's actually very successful uh, in treating autoimmune disease. Um, I have one guy in particular who has psoriatic arthritis and he tried just a, a paleo diet and he, he got better, but 
wasn't you know, completely uh, symptom free. And so he ended up going strict carnivore. I mean, he's, he's all in, like he eats liver, spleen, thymus gland. I mean, all the, mm. all the organ meats. I mean, not many people are going to do that, but um, right. that's all he eats. And anyway, since he's been doing that, he has zero symptoms uh, of his symptoms. So, or of, of his disease. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it depends on the person. So there's not necessarily one protocol, but it, it starts with just educating them uh, about limiting those things that are causing inflammation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, I've had, I've had clients get some great results on carnivore and, you know, if they want to maybe down the road, work back in some, some plant items or, you know, mm -hmm. some fruit and things like that. Um, what, what else? Do you, are there any other things other than nutrition that you focus on with your clients as far as, let's just say sleep or stress or any like hormetic stressors? I know you mentioned fasting, anything else? Yeah. I mean, all that's important. You know, stress is a big deal obviously today. So, right. um, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about sleep, we talk about cortisol and, and, and that's the nice thing about our clinic um, because there's, there's all these things to talk about that you're not going to resolve in one visit. And, and so when I was previously in corporate medicine and again, had, you know, five to 10 minutes with these people, uh, you know, you're just, you can't get to all those things. Mm -hmm. And, and so now at this style of practice, we can focus more on nutrition and then they can come back and we can talk about fasting and then they can come back and we can talk about sleep and, uh, and, and stress and all those things. Um, hormones are, are another big one that we focus on. Uh, I'm a big believer in uh, hormone optimization. And so, uh, many, many doctors will check. I'll just use men as an example. You know, our testosterone continues to decline um, from, you know, even 25, definitely 50 years ago, we're seeing men with lower and lower testosterone levels. And so, um, you know, conventional medicine's answer is they keep lowering the norm of, <laughs> of, of what a quote normal testosterone level is. But as you get to your middle age, it's affecting a lot of guys and, um, and so that's a big thing that we do is to, to optimize, um, uh, you know, hormones. And I use the word optimization because most doctors will check and say you're low normal, but you have all the symptoms, but because you're quote normal, according to the lab, doctors will say, well, you're normal. You don't, you don't need any hormones, but, um, I would view that again, if they have symptoms that I would say, you're not, you may be quote in the normal range, but you're not optimal. So we optimize these guys. And now that kind of catapults them to make some of these other changes, because if I'm talking, talking to them about nutrition and exercise and fasting and their testosterone is in the toilet, which it probably is because of you know, the lifestyle that they've been living. Um, they don't have a lot of motivation because they have, uh, they have low testosterone, so they're fatigued. And so we get them started on testosterone. And then that kind of help, um, help to things. And then maybe later we can come off of it. who knows, uh, you know, maybe not, but so that's an important piece. And especially, um, with, with postmenopausal women, uh, I think, uh, hormone replacement therapy has got a bad rap, uh, just because of the WHI, uh, study years ago, which used synthetic, completely different style of hormones. We don't necessarily have to go down that rabbit hole, but um, by using bioidentical hormones that are safe, they not only can improve health span, but actually um, in many times eliminate uh, common illnesses that females have like osteoporosis and things like that. So, so we, we focus a lot on um, 
kind of hormone, what we call hormone optimization. Yeah. And with testosterone replacement therapy, this is something, if someone's low in testosterone, let's say they're 50 years old, huh. do, you, do you start with diet and see if that'll affect diet exercise and then perhaps go to, to replacement therapy after that? Or is it the other way around? It depends. Yeah. Uh, if, if they've got a whole lot of, you know, say they're obese and, you know, they're on a lot of medications and, um, then, then we may just start with, with lifestyle modification. Um, what I find though, is that many times it's, it's easier for them if we, and, and many people will think that that's maybe the easy way out. But in my clinical experience, I just find that it's better to maybe start them and then that, again, kind of catapults them forward to make all these changes because now they have energy, they have motivation to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's going to take a long time to move that needle, uh, you know, uh, doing those lifestyle changes in hopes that maybe one day we can you know, wean off the testosterone. But um, I, I certainly don't mind starting them off and, and giving them that boost that many times they need. Yeah, no, I totally see that because it's sometimes in the beginning, it's all about getting small wins, getting results and, and just building momentum. And like you said, it's sort of, it might take some time just naturally perhaps to get that testosterone moving where you could do it through replacement therapy. And like you said, get them positive, get them feeling good. And then perhaps down the road, wean them off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you have to be careful of there's, uh, you know, testosterone is obviously it's everywhere now and you have all these men's clinics, or at least we do around here. Mm. And that's all they do is put somebody on testosterone. So if a 400 pound man comes in and he has all those symptoms, they're going to put him on testosterone and do nothing else. Right. And so I feel like you really need a practitioner that is going to look at the whole picture and not just put somebody on testosterone, but uh, discuss their, their sleep and their stress and their diet and, and all that stuff. And, um, so just testosterone is, is not the end all be all. Yeah. And, um, and then what about for women? Do you see that, do you see women low in, in hormones, like specifically even testosterone? I do. So really the same way with men, uh, you know, yeah. we've, we've seen a decline in men in, uh, in testosterone, um, and, and we see the same thing in women. So even before menopause, uh, we see uh, a lot of women with low testosterone and, you know, many, many people don't realize that uh, women have testosterone. Now it's, it's not the main hormone like it is in a man, but it is very important in women. Uh, same thing. It gives them energy, uh, gives them their, their sex drive. And, and so we see a lot of women even uh, we, we begin to see a lot kind of perimenopausal, meaning around the time of menopause, but that can start as early as uh, early forties or mid forties. And we see a lot of women with lower testosterone. And so, uh, yeah, we, we treat a ton of women with just testosterone replacement. And then once they hit menopause, then we just add that estrogen in, mm. but yeah, it's a, it can be a game changer for women, like women, women who are low. And then once they get that replaced, they, they love it. Yeah. What type of symptoms would they have perhaps have, um, from having low testosterone or estrogen? Yeah. 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 So, um, with, with just testosterone, so let's just say they haven't hit menopause yet. They're going to be very similar to, to men. So they're going to have fatigue, lack of motivation, um, uh, decreased libido. And that's probably the most common that we see or hear about. I mean, women will say that they're, 
they're never interested, you know, in sex. And, you know, we, we check their levels and of course they have almost uh, no testosterone. Um, and then that's also important as we're discussing exercise, uh, as I'm, I'm sure, you know, the importance of building and maintaining muscle. And so, um, that's important for both men and women. And, and so if they're low on testosterone, they're going to have difficulty doing that. And so, um, you know, many times we'll replace the testosterone and then again, they, they have more energy. Now they have a sex drive that they haven't had in years. And so they're happy. Husband's happy. So it's a good thing. And, and estrogen is completely you know, different. And, and again, that's going to be, become low once they hit menopause and that's going to cause, um, uh, hot flashes, um, you know, vaginal dryness, stuff like that. Okay. And, um, Speaking of exercise, is is this something that most of your clients are coming in and they're they're not really that active? What, what what's like a good first step you you would try to recommend for them as far as just you know doing some exercises? Is, is it like a couple times a week, and and if so, what type? Yeah, so um, I probably see a skewed population <laughs> because they're coming they're coming to me. You know, most of them are insulin resistant. They're overweight stuff like that. I mean, I'm not kidding. You know, I, I mean, we get some healthy people, but, um, so really just trying to get them to move. I mean, that's, that's usually where we start Right. is just move, whether that's, you know, getting 10,000 steps a day, um, you know, just, just move. I mean, because if I tell, if they're doing nothing, which many times that's the case where they're starting. And I say, you need to go do, uh, you know, CrossFit three or four times a week, or, you know, go, yeah. go on a bike ride, go, you know, go join a gym. It's, it's not going to happen. And so yeah. uh, first we just, we just try to get them moving. And then once we get them moving, we have a, a fancy body fat uh, analysis in our, in our office. And so we can, uh, we can put them on that that shows the amount of body fat percentage they have, and as well as shows us lean muscle mass, and it breaks it down kind of segmentally. Was that so a, we can is, use, that a, is that a DEXA scan? Uh, we do not have a DEXA scan. No, yeah. there we we have a, an in body uh, okay. scan. So, yeah, De- DEX is the the gold standard, but I mean, super expensive. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and but it it I've I've liked it. I mean, it's it seems pretty accurate. But anyway, yeah. so it gives us a tool to start to say, hey, look, you're, you're really low on muscle. Uh, now that you're moving a little bit, let's focus on building some muscle and, you know, kind of talk about how to do that. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we're not, um, we're not trainers. Um, and, and, you know, so I don't, that's not necessarily, uh, what we do. So, I mean, we'll right. you know, send them to the gym, get them hooked up with other people, but, but we, we, if nothing else, we stress the importance of it. Yeah. And, um, I guess through all this, what, what would you say is the biggest downside to just our, our model of healthcare right now? And, um, what would you recommend individuals doing, you know, if they're just going to a primary care and that, you know, that you're just being put on these, you know, these drugs, what would you recommend and what has to be changed? Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the whole system needs to be, uh, you know, just, uh, shut down and, and start it over. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, like I said, as we alluded to at the start, everything, mm-hmm. I, and I discovered this later, everything is, um, is really ran by, by big pharma. 
and, and even come to find out even like the medical journals that, you know, I, I used to, to look at the studies and say, oh, it's, it's quote, evidence-based medicine, you know, two, two thirds of their income from these medical journals, like the New England Journal of Medicine and stuff. I mean, two thirds of their income comes from big pharma. Uh, and, and so it, it's hard on people like me who are trying to really find out the true data. You just really have to spend some time and go, go digging for it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of problems with healthcare. Um, what I tell people is our current healthcare system cares nothing about your health. It's, it's a big money-making machine. And so I think that's probably the, you know, the first thing, the biggest thing to understand because so many people say, well, but my doctor, you know, said this and, and they just don't question anything. Mm. And so, but if they understand that our healthcare system is not set up, it does not exist to make you healthy. It does not exist to make me healthy. So, um, once they understand that, then I would say take responsibility for your own health. I mean, you're in charge of you, you're in charge of your health. Now, all that being said, I, you know, I have many friends that are still doing quote conventional medicine and they're, they're good people. So these doctors aren't bad people. They're doing what they think is right. It's just how they've been trained and they can't see it any differently. Hopefully more will just like what I did where I kind of got the bell lifted from my eyes, then I can kind of see it for what it is now. But again, they're, they're not bad people and they mean well. Um, so I, I would give advice to take responsibility for your own healthcare, do your own research and uh, find a doctor who is willing to listen to that. So if you find something online, I'll take vitamin D for example. And, you know, you go in to see your doctor and say, Hey, I'd, I'd like to check my vitamin D level. I, I read some stuff about vitamin D. Uh, and if they say, no, I'm, you know, I'm not doing that. That's, you know, there's, there's, I've never seen any evidence on that or whatever. I mean, right. you know, you, you might need to find another doctor. I mean, you need to find somebody who's going to listen to you. Who's, who's going to be at least somewhat willing to think outside the box. And if you find something that is contrary to what, they think then they should be open to that and they should be open to, uh, you know, continually learning. And so if they're not, and, and they're closed minded and think that they, they know it all, that's a, that's a big red flag. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think, you know, if you don't, if you, like you mentioned, if you have a primary care physician, that's, that's closed minded in that sense. And if you bring information to them and they, and they don't even want anything to do with it, then it's probably time to find someone else because there's plenty of them out there. And I know there's more and more coming up that are a little bit more on the holistic end and, and focus on functional medicine. And hopefully this will be a trend that continues. For sure. Um, I guess that, uh, I guess a question I ask all my guests, um, is if you were going to give uh, one tip to an individual, maybe in their forties, fifties, and sixties, and they wanted to get their body back to what it once was, let's say 15, 20 years ago. Um, what, what tip would you give that individual? Uh, well, with all I've just talked about, it's hard to narrow down to one. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a loaded question. Yeah. So if I had to pick one, at least mm -hmm. to start, I would probably say eat foods with one ingredient. 
And if you, you know, I tell people all the time, if, if you do nothing else and, you know, because a lot of times I'll, I'll go over all this stuff that we've been talking about with them on their first visit or their second visit after we have some blood work and, and you can just kind of see their eyes get big and, and sometimes they're overwhelmed. And so, you know, I'll say if, if nothing else, if you don't remember anything else I say, if you'll just eat foods with one ingredient, um, you're going to be healthier than most people. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, I kind of talk about what that looks like. So, you know, uh, eggs, they have one ingredient, chicken, one ingredient, fish, beef, um, broccoli, you know, as, and I will tell them, contrast that to a box of Cheerios, you know, it's going to have, I don't know how many ingredients in a box of Cheerios, but it's you know, a lot. <laughs> six, seven, six, seven, eight, nine. So yeah, that, that would be probably where I would start is eat foods with one ingredient. Yeah. I remember I used to tell clients, um, eat, eat things where you can pronounce and what's on the label yeah. in an ideal world. Like you said, there is no label and there's, exactly. one, and there's one word, perhaps that might be a stepping stone, right? First find stuff that you can pronounce and that maybe is not over like six ingredients. Then if you can get to one ingredient, you're right. I mean, honestly, if you don't do anything else, I mean, if you don't see, um, positive impact in your health, then there must be something else going on. Yeah, for sure. And do you do telemedicine? We do. Yep. Um, as of now we keep it, um, within the state of Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, just because the, the laws here in Oklahoma are, are kind of, um, gray, Hmm. uh, as far as doing, um, televisits outside of the state, as far as licensing and stuff like that is concerned. And so, I think that's probably going to change as, you know, telemedicine, you know, is just becoming more and more common, especially when COVID hit and people, right. you know, were just kind of forced into doing virtual visits. I, I think we're going to see that change. But as of now, um, I, I just do uh, televisits within the state of Oklahoma. Okay. And the, the best place for people to find you is that on uh, your Vibrant Life uh, website? Uh, uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Vibrant Life DC stands for direct care at vibrantlifedc.com. Um, and I also have uh, a, a website, a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, So Okay. Yeah. You cut out for a second. It, it, your name of your podcast is FitRx. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yep. FitRx. Yep. Um, yeah. I started that, uh, I don't know, about a year and a half ago just because of Oh, my passion for health and wellness and longevity. And I was, I found myself just constantly reading all these books about longevity. And, and so I thought, man, it'd be great to be able to talk to some of these people. And right. so I started this podcast. And so, it's, yeah, it's been great to be able to, um, you know, to talk to like-minded people like yourself and, and uh, other people, you know, all over the country about, you know, just health and wellness and, and things. So yeah, I started that about a, a year and a half ago. So it's FitRx, mm-hmm. F-I-T-R-X, and it's on pretty much all the, the podcast platforms out there. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely put links in the show notes for that. And uh, I think our episode is probably coming out maybe <laughs> in, in the next few months or give or take. Um, so that'll be great. And uh, yeah. awesome. And um, well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, it's great to see a family practitioner who is, um, you know, teaching these methods and have changed over to, from conventional to more of a holistic and finding the root cause of really what's, what's causing the problem. So um, 
I give you a ton of credit for doing that. And uh, hopefully that'll be a trend for other doctors to do that as well. Yeah, I yeah, we'll appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I hope so. And appreciate what, what you do. Um, you know, the more people we have out there, you know, just trying to, to make, you know, educate people and make people healthy, you know, the more, more the better. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it so much, Greg. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.